1: And today is March 15th, 2022. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827, and there is a chat room available at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentallymormon. Today we're going to be continuing reading with uh, on Chapter 5 of How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom Today. And the chapter is all about Temporal and Spiritual Realities. I think it's called Spiritual and Temporal Realities. It's a really important chapter. Um, It's something that needs to be repeated over and over and over again just to help us to remember these concepts. Uh, I think it's really important to understand. So um, we're going to get into that reading in just a minute. But last night Kim, was it last night that our cat had babies? Like there's two different cats and they both had babies.
2: Yeah, both of them did last night. One had them up in the barn and the other had it under one of our kids' beds.
1: Yeah, so... Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Am- I, was it Amberly that found them yesterday and then Olivia? Amberly found, the found, other
2: found one. her cat, yep. Yeah. Because Amberly's cat is Cyrus, so Amberly found Cyrus's. And then Olivia went yeah. up to go get all the supplies. For the kittens and the mom up in the loft or the attic and um, when she went up there she found the other ones so um if you have a few minutes um you probably don't do you so uh i just remembered that she told me before yeah. i'm
3: on
1: the she, minor I've got...
2: okay she said Sorry. that you needed um energy drinks and they have them on sale here and i didn't grab any and okay. i just booked it out oh. of the store so i could be here to talk to you, but if you have just a few minutes, I'll go in and grab them for you so you have them for tomorrow.
1: Okay. I didn't know that we were all out.
2: She said you have one for tomorrow.
1: Oh, great. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I can't read, obviously. I'm driving. So this book for the listening audience, usually um, I try to really uh, pre-record these and then I usually post the text online at uh, tumblr.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon and then also on YouTube at YouTube or not YouTube uh, well I do post it on YouTube too usually at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash God my compass and then um, I usually post the text and the notifications for the radio show at Facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. uh, But but, uh, usually we're reading uh, books that are online, and this particular book is not online. I found this book in the uh, 2000, 2001, maybe even 1999. It was probably 1999, right uh, after I got off my mission but I found this book at Deseret Book with the CDs that and the workbook and everything that goes with this uh, with this book. Um, and I have worn these books out. Uh, I've, I've worn out the CDs like literally just listened to them so many times that uh, I had to buy. I think I bought them like three different times. And then there's like a DVD uh, series where James B. Cox, who likes to go by Jim, he uh, he would travel around, uh, and he was a stake president at one time, but he would give these seminars called How to Become One with Christ. And his book is How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom Today, and it is excellent material. Everybody should know this stuff. Um, it's just, I, I can't stress the importance of this particular books, but I haven't read it um, online because it's not a book that I have permission to read. However, um, fair use uh, means that I can read and comment on uh, the book as I'm reading it, and they actually can't do anything about it. Um, I was friends with James B. Cox or Jim Cox uh, when I lived in St. George from 2003 to 2006, and uh used to go over to his house every week, and, like, we would talk, and he would teach me. And, oh, my gosh, I loved, loved going and meeting with him whenever I could. Uh, just He's just a wealth of knowledge. And he's a, you know, he was a mainstream church member, um, I believe. I, like, tried to look him up, and he lived in, I think, Nampa or Caldwell, Idaho, up until... Well, I'm not sure when. I can't find him anymore, but um, I think he passed away. He was like in his 70s, back when I knew him. So he would probably be in his late 80s or early 90s uh, now. So I'm pretty sure he has passed time. But this book is just a wealth of knowledge. And this is one of the most important chapters in this book to helping us to uh, realize that we wake up every day with a temporal mindset. And what we want to do is we want to get into a spiritual mindset every day, which actually takes work. And uh, when I was a missionary, um, and every missionary does this, at least they're supposed to, where we will study every morning and we'll pray and we'll ponder and we'll have group study with our companions and we'll have personal private study before we get going So I would usually wake up around 5.30 or 6 in the morning every morning when I was a missionary and just study and pray and learn. And um, it helped put us as missionaries in a spiritual mindset so we could be more beneficial to being tools in God's hands to teach people. And uh, it's a really important practice to get into. A lot of people don't have time, though, in the morning to get up way early and, and study Oh, God. hopefully you guys don't hear this radio in the background. It's on uh, Prime Country on Sirius XM. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. I can't hear it, so that's uh, okay. Okay. Well, thank goodness for uh, noise-canceling headsets for semi-trucks because <laughs> semi-trucks are loud in general. Anyway, but um, so, you know, we we as, you know, especially parents, with kids school age kids it's hard to get up like for instance my wife wakes up at 5:30 in the morning and she goes to bed around 10 10 sometimes even 11 o'clock at night because we have so many things to do um and then we add you know an hour or two every night just uh at this time to do the radio show but um you know, a lot of times I'll get I'll get home and I'll wake everybody up and I'll shower and get clean clothes on. And then I'll go downstairs and I'll put a YouTube video on um, either of me talking or, or uh, some minister or some lesson that the kids can listen to and my wife can listen to and I can listen to while we're getting ready for work and I'm getting ready for bed and all of that. And um that helps with the spiritual mindset and then the other thing my wife does, which I completely agree with and I suggest other people do, is she listens to hymns or she'll listen to uh modern Christian music. And as she's going to work and I don't know, she drives what do you think, Tim like about forty five, fifty miles every morning before you get to work? Yeah. Yeah, so luckily she has a hybrid car that she can drive around in, so it's not killing us with gas. But um, when she's driving um, with the three younger kids in the back, she will be listening to K-Love. And what K-Love is is a modern Christian music station. And the theology of the K-Loveians, Caleb, the <laughs> is uh the trinity but and we don't believe in the trinity because we know better but um stuff that she's listening to helps her to get in a spiritual mindset so that she can be focused during the day uh okay anyway um i am on the mine road where are you uh Him. I
2: am walking out, and you just bought me time to save about $70, so thank you.
1: <laughs> uh, you're absolutely welcome. <laughs> well, Party. these are expensive, and
2: I was walking out, and they had this sale on them, which you don't find often anymore because of politics. <laughs> so
3: Or whatever uh, it is, oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, I need to do that but then I was like, even if I have to sit in the parking lot to read
3: <laughs> until the radio yep. show's done. So
1: uh, you don't have to go pick up Emmett to nope. take him nope, to we're good. his uh He's thing.
2: He's already there. Okay, see so I already did. You're gonna go yep. back
1: You're gonna go back to the house. Yep. And uh and then you'll be reading so and and uh That'll take her about ten, fifteen minutes, which is unfortunate because I'm at the mine and I can't be talking.
3: I
2: know. It is okay. Because I can start and we will get there. Don't worry. I'll start the okay. reading. You can give I, me a minute, I'll be fine.
1: We have don't didn't Emma say that we had two of these books? We do, and I cannot
2: find the other one. This one's kind of falling apart. So.
1: I know it's falling. I told the audience. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I have worn these books out. Like, I was uh, well, looking at it today when I was setting up the program, and Chapter 5, the page is, like, almost ready to fall out of the book. Like, it's, uh, it's a paper. Yeah.
2: Oh, are you there? Sorry, it just switched over to the...
1: Our phone. I know. You were about to say something, and then you were gone. So, what was that?
2: It literally did fall out. <laughs> did I tell you that?
1: Oh, it did. I know it was about okay. to when I was... Uh... <laughs> I had one of
2: the okay. kids grab it. It was, like, on the floor. So, anyways. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I can the reading, um, I'll you know, because when you're done there, then I can't, you, you'll want to talk because that's what you do, <laughs> so you'll want to talk yeah, about it Yeah, but my eventually problem is
1: I am at the mine, and I have to get out and do yeah. my walk-around inspection and make sure my gates and my tires and my strings and my lights and everything work before I get loaded, and yeah. um, and there's uh, six trucks in front of me, so it'll I, I'll be able to be on just for a minute, but...
2: Oh, there's six of
1: them? Yeah, there is
3: six.
2: So today's Chapter 5, and we're talking about temporal and spiritual realities. And again, with these really short chapters, it's only like three pages. So I don't know. Do you want to read a second chapter today?
1: No, I don't want to read a second chapter any day. I don't care if it's a half a page long. I want each episode to be its own chapter. And by the way, I did record or pre-record part three of the Modern Revelations that I've been working on to to get out there, but it's 45 minutes long. So we'll listen to that today as well. We'll listen to that today as well. So, uh... You know, it doesn't okay, matter so you that have the program... Okay, you have opened up? I have the studio opened up.
2: Okay. Just was wondering because I didn't...
1: Okay, well, um... Okay, well, I don't know. Uh, Emmett's not going to be on tonight so he won't be able to oh, do I it. Hold on.
2: Yeah. Here, I can start reading right now. Just give me a and you can do your thing, and then um, we'll see where it goes. It'll be fine.
1: Okay, I'm just going to mute myself because all these guys are talking a whole bunch, but I'll be on. Yep,
2: I'll read slow. (laughs) Okay, Okay, Chapter 5 of How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom Today by James B. Cox. Um, this This chapter is temporal and spiritual realities. In order for a person to develop the pure love of Christ, he must understand the spiritual dimension where these feelings are understood. One functions in this life, it is evident that there are two different dimensions of reality, and that each dimension operates under definite laws. For example, Alma and Amulek were cast into prison for preaching the gospel. That's Alma chapter 14. And the rulers of Ammonihah, I think is how it's pronounced, demanded that all the wives and children, sorry, I lost my spot, and children of those men who believed the word of God should be cast into the fire. The rulers brought, Alma and Amulek out of the prison to watch this horrible execution. When Amulek saw the agony of the woman and the little children, cried out to Alma. I couldn't imagine even watching that. How can we witness this awful scene? Therefore, let us stretch forth our hands and exercise the power of God which is in us and save them. But Alma replied calmly that the Spirit had told him that they should not do that, that the deaths of these innocents would stand in judgment against their destroyers, and that the suffering saints were being received by the Lord unto his glory. That takes a lot of, wow, to even do that and watch all those kids and women die. After this, Alma and Amulek were cast back into prison and were not fed or given water. Their clothes were taken from them and they were bound with strong cords. They were ridiculed. Many came up to them, and many spit in their faces. After many days of such, sin at last cried to God give them strength according to their faith, which was in Christ, and they broke their cords. Then the earth shook mightily, and the walls of the prison fell, crushing and killing those who were persecuting them. In Alma, chapter 14, verse 28, it says, and Alma and Amulek came forth out of prison, and they were not hurt, for the Lord had granted unto them power according to their faith, which was in Christ. And quote, again, Alma 14:28. Alma and Amulek were imprisoned and suffered great emotional and physical pain, inflicted by their enemies in the temporal world. But they found confidence and security even in peace in their persecution, and in deaths of the women and children in their sphere in the spiritual dimension. In the spiritual dimension, the power to Alma and Amulek called on God for spiritual power to break their cords and for the powers of heaven to crush their prison walls. Their escape was based upon their faith in God and Jesus Christ. They exercised their spiritual senses. Had Alma and Amulek operated only in the temporal dimension, they would have exercised faith in themselves. They would have used their abilities, mental and physical, To escape, they would have dug a tunnel under the walls or overpowered their guards or waited until their friends came to free them. If you had a daughter near death in the hospital, you would seek the Lord's help through mighty prayer and fasting. But if you restricted your efforts to the temporal dimension, you would seek the best doctors you could afford. You would study your daughter's sickness, give her suggested drugs, change her diet, and so on. You would show love to the daughter by being near her side day and night. The temporal dimension is restricted by the physical world. The spiritual dimension is not restricted either by physical world or mortality. In order to act in the spiritual dimension, we need to open our minds and our hearts to God. There is no other way. In order to act in the spiritual dimension, we need to have knowledge about this dimension. We need to know what is required of us and what we may expect. In order for you to use the powers of heaven to heal your daughter, you must be worthy. You must be worthy of this grace, and you must have the authority or knowledgement of God to act in his behalf. You must believe without doubt or your faith will not be sufficient to open the doors of heaven. And when those great doors open, the spiritual dimension with all its powers and blessings will become available to you just as real as are the sky and earth in the temporal dimension. So, I don't know. I was thinking about what it would think because, um, I think there's always a, a fine line, but what Amulek, um, and Alma did um was full faith in God. So when Aunt, well, so when we were in the hospital and we were praying and praying for our daughter to be healed so that she could stay here with us, um, I have all faith in God that He had the power and, you know, definitely the knowledge to heal her and make her whole, um, he did not. So um, I know that my husband has um, his own revelation on that. Um, it still hurts, obviously, and it's painful. I have a hard time thinking about this chapter where the kids and the mothers, and they were just being burned in the fire and they couldn't do anything about it or call down Um, I don't know what would have been more painful, the women who are, and children who are burning or the men have to sit there and watch that because I feel like the people who live afterwards, they, you know, have to live with that, that feeling, that agony, that memory, um, for their life. So I feel like that's just a lot to go through. Um, anyways, but when it's talking about, um, acting in the spiritual dimension or if you're in the temporal dimension, um, when you, when you're in the temporal dimension and um, you, you know, seek help of doctors and you're seeking help of um, pharmacies or pharmaceuticals or um, other, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing that you are um, learning about this dimension and you're learning about, Um, Like me, I like science. I like to know how things work and how things um, get together, come together, how the molecules even um, act or react with each other. Uh, I know my son likes that also. But um, there is only so much that you can do. And even um, when you access the spiritual dimension, I know that having a knowledge of the temporal one but accessing the spiritual one will help you to know where to look or what it is that you need to do. Because um, yes, God can heal and he is a healer and can help in all things. Um, and whether it be a miraculous um, enigma as to why something was healed um, is one thing, but also learning. Um, Is part of this life, and so learning about the temporal dimension and then calling upon um, God and having him help you through a spiritual one um, sometimes is the way that it has to be. It just depends on what it is that we are meant to learn and how we're meant to grow, um, I feel like, in this life. And I don't know, even with the the last um, experience that we had had um, with our daughter, I don't know that I've entirely grown very much from that other than maybe being, maybe sour about the whole experience, Um, frustrated or worried, scared, afraid, all of that stuff. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. That's just, I guess my own personal belief on the matter. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to say about that, Mark, but he might also be um, busy at the moment. Well, there's a
1: couple of different things. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I can hear
1: you. Okay. Okay. And the testimony of Aria, which is um, a translation that has been received within the last 10 years or, I don't remember. Anyway, but um, Jesus talks to Aria after, you know, Aria is the wife of, one of the wives of Jesus Christ. And he tells her that she, Oh, my gosh. This is why I don't talk up here. And he, anyway, he tells her that...
3: Uh,
1: oh, my gosh. He tells her that she will eventually face martyrdom. And I can't remember exactly how, if it's burning or beheading or what it is. But he does tell her, you know, you're going to have to go through this thing but um, he will take the pain away from her and it'll be as but just a moment of time and so when that, we're thinking about the the women and children who died in the fires with amulek and alma um, their pain was but a small moment and then god took it away from them and with our baby like she came and she wasn't ready to be in the, into this mortality. Anyway, hold on.
3: Oh, no,
1: never mind. All right, anyway, but um and there's free agency involved in life and death. And when we have a spiritual mindset we realize that this life is just temporary, even though it feels so long and you know, we miss our baby, and we did everything we could do to save her. Um, it was her, her free agency that was most important. And remember when um, I was giving you and her a blessing, and you looked yeah. at me, and you knew that she wasn't going to make it. I And, you know, we just have to deal with that, and it's hard to grow from, but we ha- right, that's where we learn patience. And at least we have understanding. You know, anyway, I have to mute myself.
2: Okay, that's okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and a lot of people just say, you know, all the niceties, the nice things, like you'll just have to wait until, you know, the afterlife, until you're, until you're dead and then you'll see them again and to me that wasn't entirely all comforting either so <sighs> I don't know um anyway I'll continue on with the reading I just well was it was uh that it
1: was a traumatic experience I mean how long were you in the hospital for like two or three weeks
2: uh, yeah three weeks
1: Yeah, and then uh, she just, we couldn't keep her from coming. And then she probably would have lived, um, but they did not get in there quick enough uh, to do the C-section. And um, she started going down the birth canal, but your body was not ready to give birth. And so she got stuck, and they had to push her back up into the womb and pull her out. And her whole body was bruised. And she only lived 13 hours, and like this is one of the greatest fears that I have is losing a child, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, you know, there's there's nothing that we could do about it, you know. And I wish that there was, but you know, it is what it is, and we have to accept yeah. it. And and you know, it's been um, a hard experience, but. <laughs> We know that she's still around. Um, our daughter, Eliza, has seen her in the spirit with, with Ezekiel, our son who also died. You know, yeah. and um, I, the other thing I wanted to say about the thing that happened with Elma and Amulek and those uh, poor children and those poor women that died, um, it was important there could be a testimony against the wicked so they could be destroyed. Because God can't destroy people just because he wants to destroy them. There has to be a reason. And these people stand as a testimony against these people. And let me tell you that when um, in the society of of God, in the great beyond, um, there is a war going on. And through the process of time, they realize that more of the uh that are created uh, are going to be, well, not more, but there's going to be a large division that are wicked and slothful. And if God allows them to exist, he will, they will, they will, um, dis- they'll destroy the kingdom. Uh, there's a war. There's a literal war that's going on. And if he allows them to exist, they will eventually overthrow everything. So he allows these type of things to happen in our temporal mortal world so that there is a reason that he can destroy them. And he destroys them. Annihilates them. They are ground back down into the very essence of what they they were before, you know. Um, So But if he doesn't do that, then they'll eventually overthrow the society of the Exalted Ones. Four sixty-two. thank you. Anyway, so, you know, it's hard to understand from from a temple perspective. Oh, my gosh. It's hard to understand when you... You only see things from a temporal perspective, but let me tell you, this life means nothing compared to the life of, uh, that is beyond this world. There's, it's so much more important um, that things are set up right. That you know, sometimes we have to go through these horrible things. Um, so that things can be done properly. And these, these children and these women who died. And our baby. Our babies. That died. They're going to have life in the resurrection. But even more than that. Because of our understanding. Given to the prophet Joseph Smith. In the lecture at the Grove. We understand that. After this world has gone through its course. That a new heaven and a new earth. Will be created. And that we will be able to go back into mortality again to gain a higher resurrection. And uh, understanding that and understanding these things helps us to, to cope with, with all of this, but it's not easy. You know, it's not ever going to be easy to lose a child or to lose a wife or to lose a husband or whatever
2: the people but that you love. When
1: we understand, yeah, when we understand that there's more to this life than just this life, so much more. And we understand that the progression of the gods and multiple mortal prob- probations and all of the things that that were originally taught in the restoration which has been lost by a lot of the restorationist movements. Um, we can understand things and it, it makes it easier just to to be able to accept these things, even though they're hard. So, anyway, I'll mute myself again.
2: Okay. A babe newly born into the world learns about his temporal environment and his experiences, and, I'm sorry, as he experiences it. He touches and watches and listens. He stuffs things into his mouth to find out how they taste, When he grows older, he will learn of more complicated things. He will learn suffering by suffering and sin by sinning. In time, his experience in the temporal dimension may overwhelm his spiritual sensitivities. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness Unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That's First uh, Corinthians, First Corinthians, chapter two, verse ten, and verse—I mean, verse eleven—and also verse fourteen. Because a natural man has never experienced the spiritual dimension, it ceases to exist for him. It's like object permanence to a toddler. <laughs> um, sorry, tangent. But the spiritual dimension does exist. Whether it is recognized or not And it has no physical limitations You might have a son or a daughter on a mission in England or China And though the spiritual dimension being bring protection, love and inspiration to them You can cause the doors to open in far off countries to your missionary And cause the rain to come or to stop And the sun to hold its position Or great mountains to move But in the temporal dimension you are limited to helping only those who are physically near you, near to you, or who can be reached by phone or mail. In the Book of Mormon, Jacob defined truth or reality as things, this is Jacob chapter 4, verse 13, things as they really are and of things as they really will be. He explains that the Spirit speaketh the truth and truth explains that which is real. And that's in Jacob chapter 4, verse 13. This concept. That the truth is not only reality is repeated in the Doctrine and Covenants. In D&C chapter 93 verse 24. And the truth is knowledge of things as they are and as they were and as they are to come. To perceive reality is to understand things as they really exist. One's mind can perceive and interpret spiritual realities. As well as temporal realities, the scriptures are definite in, re- in recognizing that these two dimensions exist and are available to man in second Corinthians chapter four, verse eighteen. it says, "While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal." Thats second Corinthians chapter four, verse eighteen, and in first Nephi chapter fifteen verse thirty two and it came to pass that I said unto them that it was a representation of things both temporal and spiritual, yea, even the works which were done by the temporal body that's first Nephi chapter fifteen verse thirty two asking for whatsoever things ye stand in need, both spiritual and temporal that's alma chapter seven verse twenty three in our last scriptural quote is from d and c twenty nine verses thirty one and thirty two for by the power of my spirit created I them, yea, all things both spiritual and temporal, first spiritual, secondly temporal, which is the beginning of my work, and again first temporal and secondly spiritual, which is the last of my work. These two dimensions are meant to be mutually supportive. That is, they exist in a kind of partnership in which each enhances and enriches the other. Man, as he becomes aware, stands to benefit immeasurably, both temporally and spiritually, by exchange. For example, most of our experiences are in the physical world. It is in the physical world that we are that we earn our living, raise our family, associate with others, and spend much time in eating, exercising, and being entertained. Yet, each of us was sent to this world to overcome the world. d 64 verse 2. To put it under our control along with appetites, desires, and passions of mortality. Alma chapter 38 verse 12. This great temporal assignment can best be done through using the spiritual dimension. For example, if a couple is experiencing a great financial struggle or perhaps deep family problems, They have two dimensions through which to seek solutions. They can probe the ways of the world and perhaps solve their problems through reason, study, and effort. Or they may seek additional help through the spiritual dimension and receive insight and guidance and spiritual strength to endure and overcome. Didn't see where I was at (laughs) because they're falling out. Even though the difficulty may seem never completely solved, they will find meaning meaning and purpose and strength against the temporal struggle from the spiritual dimension. And there are other benefits. They will come to a closeness with Heavenly Father, which will expand their spiritual insights and give them a peace, which can be experienced only as they overcome the temporal through the spiritual. It happens again and again. As one seeks for a testimony of his spiritual worth, he feels impressed to read the scriptures and pray about the prophets, about what the prophets have said. He begins to follow the spiritual, the scriptural admonitions and treat himself as a son or daughter of God. He then looks about himself and sees others around him as children of God. The result is a feeling of increased love and respect for himself and for others. His soul is filled. He sees everything more clearly, and the new perceptions and application in his life bring great joy to him. His life becomes more full, and his experiences become very delicious and precious to him. Oh, and I guess that is the end of chapter five. That ended abruptly, just right right at the end of that page. I went to turn the page, and I was like, oh, that was chapter six. (laughs) So, um, tomorrow we'll be reading chapter 6, the three dimensions of man, on page number 61, in how to qualify for the celestial kingdom today.
1: And how many pages is that chapter? Like two?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so chapter 6 is also a whopping four pages. Maybe three and a half pages. (laughs) Three and a half pages. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Short. And that's why I pre-record things. You know, as little bonuses. Yeah. (laughs) So make it last longer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? Um, I kind of like to do this where I pre-record things. to put onto other chapters that we're going through Um, because Mm -hmm. if people aren't willing to listen to these other things, then I don't want them to even know about what it is that I have to share with them. I mean, I go back and forth with that and I do share it, uh, share different things, but I don't know. Like I get people that are like, oh, you talk too slow, I can't listen to you, or it's too long, I can't read it, or, you know, whatever stupid And, like, first of all, I don't care if that's your opinion. I'm not going to change, you know. Why do I need to know that, especially when I post, like, chapters or something uh, that go along with the reading of whatever the program is for that day? And I get these people that, write too long uh, didn't read. I don't care. Why do I? Why do you think I care? Why do you think you're so important that I should care what your opinion is? You know, it's just... Well, whether people or not they thinking. read it, who
2: cares? <laughs>
1: uh, uh, you know, the other thing that drives me a little bit insane is these people that, like, put hearts on all of my posts, and I am absolutely positive that they don't read any of them. Like, are you trying to gain favor with me? See, it doesn't matter what my opinion of you is. It matters what God's opinion of you is. And he sees the end from the beginning. And you're not going to fool him. You might fool me. You know, oh, I love everything that you say. And I and I love that you post these things and your teachings and all of this and that. Well, that's nice. But your opinion of me means nothing to me. It really doesn't. You know, um, God is more concerned with with actions than lip service. And I, I look at all of these things like like lip service, like thank you for putting the heart or the like or the smiley face or whatever, but did you actually read it? You know, and if people actually did read it, are there questions that you have? Like we, I pay a lot of money every year to do these radio programs. Not, and that's like... That isn't even a big deal. It's the time and effort that I put into the program to share with the people, you know, and are you getting something? I hope you are. I hope you're learning. I hope you're getting something from this, you know. But, um, but these people who, like, they love everything I have to say, but they don't know anything i said. I get that all the time. Like somebody will like all my stuff, but then they don't know any of the claims that I talk about when I talk about them all the time, which tells me they're not really reading or listening, you know, or questioning anything. They're just, I don't even know what the, like, and I think people, like, they talk about, like, how people get dopamine hits, you know, when they get likes and follows and all of this and that. It doesn't matter to I want to see obedience, which is what God wants to see. Obedience is what saved Noah, you know, from the destruction. He obeyed God, and he put his beliefs in action. And these people who think that they can be saved by grace, well, guess what? Grace didn't save Noah in the fact that he also had to have obedience. And that's what we all have. We have to have grace, okay, because we all make mistakes, but also obedience. And God doesn't save the willful, rebellious sinner or the people who ignore him or the people who say, well, those commandments aren't for us, they're for another time and another people. God has never abrogated or rescinded anything that he has had to say. Nothing at all. So anyway, i um, Tim, are you chewing on uh, the microphone, or what, what is going on? No, I'm not chewing.
2: Um, I just switched back to the car phone. Do you want me to switch back to my headset?
1: Uh, it's fine. Where are you at? Okay. Now
2: I'm, well, I'm almost in Huntington.
1: Oh, okay. So you are in Castledale, and now you're almost to Huntington. Did you read and drive at the same time?
2: I might have slightly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You couldn't tell I did amazing.
1: (laughs) I love you, and I don't want you to kill yourself. Okay. I know. And I don't want you to kill somebody else because you're doing all the things that you're not supposed to do. I know, but I knew, but I knew you were gonna do that. (laughs) I'm good. Anyway, all right, well, um, too bad we don't have anybody on the studio right now. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. There's also a chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Fundamentally Mormon. Uh, at least Kim can tell me if I'm breaking up or not. Did you get all that?
2: Yep, I can hear you loud and
1: clear. Okay, I'm at the top of Barrow Hill So, all right. well This is part three of the Revelations And uh, Most people Like, I've shared this stuff I usually share snippets of it I've shared all of it In the past But it's so long Um, And I can't just read it And, like, even if I did the reader program It would be more than two hours To get through it It's long 283 verses or something like that it's just ridiculous long but it's important all of this stuff is important so and i still learn from this stuff even though i've had these things since 2013 or 2014 like i still go over it, and i like i'm still learning from it so it's a very powerful revelation uh, given by the Father and the Son, they kind of switch back and forth. And, like, you have to have discernment. Like, which one is talking? Because <laughs> they go back and forth, you know? It's just interesting. I I love the Revelation, uh, and it's really important. That's why I'm sharing it. So this is Revelation Part 3, um, which isn't, I don't think, I think we got to 43% of this Revelation uh, in this recording. You know, this is the third recording, so I'm just telling you, it's long. So uh, is there anything that you wanted to say before I start this clip, which is 46 minutes long?
2: Nope. Um, I think I will um, try to figure out the whole dinner thing situation and uh you're going to the same place so i'm going to try to figure out how to get you something that was cooked all the way sorry about that
1: there is no power plant loads everything is going to the rail yard and i am headed there right now so Um, okay one other thing before i start this uh this audio clip it's 46 minutes long if you call in and you want to just speak to me privately, you can do so at this time. I can pull you in the screening room off the air, and you can ask your questions, make your comments, whatever. If you want to come on the program after the clip, there will be time enough to do that at that point. So right now is uh, 6.52. So go out, uh, 46 minutes. It'll be around 6.30, 6.40, 6.40, no, yeah, 7.40 will be, you know, when we get back out of the audio clips. So uh, go ahead and meet your mic, Kim, and like I said, anybody can call in if you just want to talk privately. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. Here is Revelations Part 3.
2: Can you pull me into the screening room too, please? Thanks.
0: Yeah
1: this is part three of modern revelation Utah statehood did not Utah saith the Lord desire to become a state like unto all other states and for this cause ye did forsake my law even that of Abraham, O ye Latter-day Saints, yea, even that which ye, O ye Gentiles, call polygamy, even as Israel hath forsaken my statutes and my judgments in all ages of the world, and have even gone whoring after strange gods. Now, real quick, I know there's a group of people who want to, like, deny that polygamy is a thing, but real quick, <laughs> um, Joseph Smith wrote down the revelation of, uh, for plural celestial marriage, which is found in DNC section 132. Um, some people think that Brigham Young is the one that penned this revelation, but, uh, <clears throat> William Law And his wife, Jane Law, and many others swore in legal affidavits and published them in the Nauvoo Expositor in June of 1844, which stated, uh, well, William Law and Jane Law stated that Hiram in April of 1844 read them the revelation on polygamy, and they were very opposed to polygamy and did not like that doctrine and other doctrines but that's what the novel expositors all about and they they swore that Hiram read them that revelation in april of 1844. many years later when brigham took the saints out west william Law saw a copy of the revelation that Brigham had presented and that revelation according to him um, when Hiram read it it was only a couple of pages long but when Brigham presented the revelation there was like 8 or 9 pages uh, which shows that Brigham actually added many things to that revelation now if he were a prophet I don't think it would be a problem but the problem is Doctrine and Covenant, section 124 when Jesus tells them to build the temple for the Most High to come dwell therein that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away even the fullness of the priesthood. Um, he also says around verse 45 that uh, if you don't do what I say you'll be rejected as a church with your dead. Now, the Nauvoo Temple was only uh, they were only starting to build the second story of the Nauvoo Temple three and a half years after the revelation was given by Joseph Smith in 1841. So they never finished it in the required time. And in fact, they did finish the outside part of the, the temple, but the inside was never finished. And for those of you who say that it was, The Shekinah glory of God that rested upon the Kirtland Temple and also upon uh, Solomon's Temple and also upon the tabernacle in the wilderness, which shows that the temple was accepted by God, never came upon Nauvoo, and that the Most High never restored the fullness of the priesthood and that Jesus himself never came to that temple, and n- neither did any angel ever come to that temple. And Jesus said, if you do what I say, uh, you will not be removed from your place. But the fact of the matter was that they were removed from their place. Also, um, Jesus uh, promises to restore the times and seasons, which are the Moedim of Jehovah, that didn't happen, and Jesus said, if, if you're obedient in building this temple, uh, you, are, I will begin to give you many revel. it says something to the effect of, this will be the beginning of revelations, but we also know that that did not happen, Jesus said, if they are not obedient, uh, <clears throat> instead of blessings, I receive cursings, wrath, indignation. And he says, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead, which is exactly what happened. Um, I had an individual claim that the fullness of the priesthood was restored in the Kirtland Temple in 1836, but the problem with that was, or is, that the revelation of section 124 was received in January of 1841, where Jesus says, build a temple for the Most High to dwell there in. He, the Father might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away in the fullness of the priesthood. So it wasn't restored in the Kirtland Temple in 1836. This is just bad apologetics by people in the church who don't like the fact that Jesus did reject the church with their dead. Um, Also, Brigham Young claimed to receive the fullness of the priesthood from Joseph Smith in the Red Brick Store But then the problem with that argument is the father never restored it to Joseph Smith. So the fact of the matter is the church was rejected with their dead and Jesus said all they who hinder this work in building the temple will be cursed to the third and fourth generation which was between 100 and 20 to 160 years would have been the third and fourth generation. From the time Lyman White stated that in a conference talk that the church had been rejected, uh, Joseph did not correct him because Joseph understood the uh, what had happened. Um, all the way out to 160 years was 2003, and that's when I saw the father and the Son face to face And received the keys of the kingdom And the priesthood And the church and all of the things And that's when I was sealed up under the Father And received my um, Calling and election made sure Or eternal life And became the one man on the earth To be sealed to the Father And through the law of adoption You must be sealed to me And that's all part of the setting in order Which uh, no man can do Except for uh, he has that uh, those sealing ordinances done and can uh, issue out those sealing ordinances. But anyway, so um, Brigham Young couldn't change the revelation or add to it. He had no authority to do what he did, um, which is sad. Anyway, but um, but the fact of the matter is that Joseph did receive the revelation on polygamy. It may have been added to by Brigham Young, but the fact of the matter is the novel expositor actually talks about that revelation, so we know that it existed before Brigham Young made it up, as these people want to claim. Also, I know by revelation and by vision the importance of plural ceilings that... Um, every man must be sealed to a woman and every woman must be sealed to a man who is elect who is the elect of God each of them in order to receive their exaltation and the fact that there are more females who qualify for these higher blessings than males is why God allows plural celestial marriage so Um, I had an individual say, well, what about in China where there's more men than women? It doesn't matter about the ratio of men to women. It, It matters about the ratio of those who qualify for exaltation. That's the ratios that I'm talking about. So because there are many more females who qualify for exaltation, God allows them to be sealed to fewer men, because there were fewer men who qualify for exaltation. Anyway, continuing on, in your presidencies, saith the Lord, have hearkened unto the voices of them whom I did not send. They did bow unto the clamor that those who call themselves Latter-day Saints should become, should become in abominations. There is Thereof like unto all other nations, who in their wisdom know not God, and his righteous decrees concerning nations and their boundaries and habitations, which were before set by me, and the counsels of the sons of God before the world was made, even by them saith the Lord God of Israel. So the next part is called In the Days of Pharaoh And it is for this reason That I the Lord God of Israel Have raised up my servant That he shall call down that Which shall destroy mine enemies Even in times of old Yea even Even that Elijah My son So Elijah is actually A name and a title as well and ye shall hearken unto his words, saith the Lord, unto my people who are called Latter-day Saints, or ye shall be cut off, yea, forever, and be cast into the fire, saith the Lord God, who is, is mighty to the consuming of those who fight against me, as in the days of Pharaoh. And this is one of the reasons why it makes me angry and upset that nobody will listen to me, because I know exactly who I am. And I know that people who reject me are going to receive stern punishment for that because God uh, told me, if you don't accept me as as his witness, then he won't accept you because I actually am the third member of the Godhead. I know that that sounds crazy. And you know what? I would rather, I wish that I didn't have to do this. I wish that I didn't have to share these things. I hate it. Everybody would think, well, if you're a member of the Godhead, wouldn't that be a great thing? Actually, it does have its benefits. But to be a member of the Godhead in mortality, especially the witness or the redeemer, it it's not easy. Because everybody attacks you and they call you... Um, all kinds of names, and they want to mar my reputation with their slander and their libel. And I just want to live my life. God told me to be bold in my witness, and so I am, and I try to teach the best that I can. But I just want to have my family. And do my job and work my farm and have my animals and love my kids and my wife. And I like walking among all the different uh, groups of Christianity and and the restoration as well. And I love it when people don't know who I am. So the reason I attend um, a Pentecostal church is because the focus isn't on me. The focus is on God, and that's what I want it to be on. Even if you know who I am, I want you to focus on God, not me. I don't want anything from you. But <clears throat> um, when Moroni came to Joseph Smith, and he said that the man of Acts chapter tw- uh, tw- 2, verses 22 and 23 is Christ, but the day had not yet come when he would be rejected by his people... Well, if you go to that scripture, it says, it talks about the man like unto Moses and all they who might hear his voice will be cut off from among the people, which goes right along with this revelation that I'm reading to you today. A lot of people listen to me and a lot of people will believe me, but then they'll never do anything about it. And at last they are, they were, are, they go off to the left hand. And fall. And it, I, it's sad. And it drives me insane because I just want you to. I don't want you to have to go through that. I don't want anybody to have to go through that. And so, like, I feel like I'm in a, a catch 22. If I say the things that God has asked me to say, then I get. I get. My reputation becomes marred. I lose jobs. Um. Uh, not to mention the time it takes to do these programs, you know, and uh, with the exception of one individual, like, I don't receive anything monetary for any of this. I don't uh, mo- monetize my videos. I don't try to make money on any of this. There's one guy um, who receives a disability benefit, and he makes very little money a month and he sends me about 30, $30 a month for tithing. And I've asked him not to do this and he argues with me and tells me God told him to do it and he's going to do it. And you know, and I appreciate that. Um, there is a revelation that does talk about supporting me so that I can do this work. And maybe it's just my pride. But I don't want anybody to support me. When I was homeless and walking on the streets, I never begged for money. There was a time when I hadn't eaten for days, and I was trying to do everything I could to think of ways to earn money, like going to labor services where I could uh, do day labor or something. And... This guy walked up to me and he just gave me20 dollars. Now I was at a workforce uh, place looking for jobs and I was clean. Um, but I had no money for food. I had no money for gas. I was actually living in my car in St. Petersburg, Florida. So I was really you know wary about where I went to. but this guy comes up to me and he gives me 20 bucks. And he said, Jesus told me to give this to you. And I about broke down into tears because it had been so long since I would had anything to eat. And I made that $20 last um, two chicken sandwiches at Wendy's a day was
3: $2.
1: And that's what I would live on. And so I made it stretch out until I was able to find more work. But... Even then, I didn't want anybody's help. I wanted to work for myself, and I wanted to support myself. So maybe it's just my pride. That, and I hate, absolutely hate people who make money off the gospel. Um, I appreciate uh, Rick Bennett, and I appreciate his work that he does at Gospel Tangents. But the fact that he merchandises the gospel drives me up the wall. And that problem with the mainstream LDS churches, they figured out how to merchandise the gospel. They figured out how to make billions on God. And that angers me as well. And anyone who does that, like um, the guy who does Sword of Jehovah Ministries, I really used to like to listen to him. I can't hardly stand him anymore because he's so arrogant. But um, he makes about $3,000, $4,000 a month doing his teachings on on the Internet. People send him money. And he doesn't have a, a real job. All he does is make these videos, and he lives off the backs of tithing. And I have a huge problem with that. That's priestcraft. So that's why I don't ask for any money. Um, And that's why I don't want my friend David's money. But he insists that God told him to send me a tithe. So he sends me about $30 a month. So anyway, None shall stay him, saith the Lord, for he is a warrior of my house, who was mighty and also strong to the confounding of Lucifer before the world was made and who shall fight you in the fury and might of the Spirit of the Lord of hosts, even shall he be as a bull and in that full of the fury of the Lord against them who live in the fear of the world. Next topic is Ye are led astray. Yea, even now, O Israel, ye are led astray through them whom ye lift in in the praise thereof even more than kings, and you and whom you worship in the temple of God as God. Which thing hath provoked me in my wrath, saith the Lord, that I have that I have decreed that ye shall be destroyed, saith the Lord, except ye shall repent and come unto me through him whom I have appointed. So this prophet worship that's going on is an abomination to God. If you were to worship me, it would be an abomination to the Father. And in fact, you shouldn't even worship Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, or Yeshua, always pointed to the Father and said, Why do you call me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. We point to the Father. We do not want you to worship us. We do not want you to worship men, any man in the flesh, or a woman for that matter we want you to turn to God and God alone. These men who lead this church, the mainstream uh, Brighamite LDS church in Salt Lake City, Utah, people will justify to themselves and say, we're not worshiping them. Well, who's the one that sets the definition? It's not you, it's God. And if he says you're worshiping them as a people, then that's exactly what you're doing. Which is sad because there is a curse that comes along with trusting in the flesh and putting somebody above God in the temple of God, which is exactly what Second Thessalonians is talking about. The man of sin, the son of perdition, is a man who sits in the temple of God And he puts himself above all that is called of God because he has the authority to change the church on the earth. And he is not doing it because he is commanded to by the Father. He is doing it because he is a wicked, evil uh, man who is adulterous in the fact that he should have been the bride of Christ, but he becomes a whore of Babylon going chasing off after capitalism and greed and wealth. They ignore the scripture. It is not given for one man to own that which is above another. Wherefore, the whole world lives in sin. And if you will be a Zion people, you must be equal in all things, which all has to be followed in order for Zion to be redeemed, which they don't care about. These men do not care about they care about the wealth and popularity with the world and how much money and control they can create. And make and it's sad. And because you believe the lie that they are prophets, seers, and revelators, you receive strong delusion that you all might be damned because you did not love the truth. But it's even worse than damnation. It's even worse. Because all they who will not hear my voice will be cut off from among the people. And these things have I, the Lord God, spoken concerning him who was reserved as a vessel of wrath, even as Pharaoh, from before the foundation of the world, whom ye unrighteously revere as a type of the Son of God. And let me just say, I hold it back. I, when I, um, When I was first called to the ministry, there were a couple of people who uh, contended to me in my face and told me I was a heretic and all the things that they said. And I cursed them. One immediately the next day had sores all over his whole body. and. I would hope that that man would repent, but what happened was he didn't repent from his delusion. He cried about how God was allowing him to go through the Garden of Gethsemane kind of experience and that he would do anything for God. And I was like, you know, I paraphrasing, I didn't write this down, but so I'm doing it by memory, saying this by memory, but like I told him, I said, I just cursed you for rejecting me to my face and for calling me a heretic and a false prophet. And this come upon you and your whole body is full of sores to the point where you're in great suffering and you won't repent. And he just continued to withstand me to my face. So another one, there was a man who used to get on the calls all the time and he used to call me names as well. And this is like back in 2014, I guess. Yeah, it was 2014, 2015. And I cursed him as well in uh, hopes that he would repent. And I kept telling him, you know, you need to turn away from this delusion that you believe and actually accept my witness. And a year to the day that I cursed him, he died. And he his health got worse and worse and worse, and he just wouldn't repent. And then there was Joshua Sparks, who saw the Father lay his hands upon my head. Now, I didn't curse him. I pled with him for years. God gave him specific revelations, and we listen to him on this program sometimes. Uh telling him to do certain things. I didn't have anything to do with that revelation. Joshua received that directly from the Father himself. But Joshua couldn't let go of his false doctrines. And he never rejected me to my face, but he never was obedient to God's revelations. And God withdrew the blessing from him. And along with that came a a curse. And the last time I heard from Joshua was at the beginning in March of 2020 where he wrote to me and he asked what God has to say about the, the pandemic. And I told him, God told me that this will be bad, but the cure will be worse. That was before the vaccinations or anything. Uh, Which, by the way, I know I am going off on a tangent. This is supposed to be about the revelation. But our good friend Jonathan Felt, who is uh, one of the Levitical priesthood holders, um, and is a friend of Eugene Richardson. What you hear on the program sometimes when I do the Levitical priesthood calls, uh, especially if you're listening on youtube.com forward slash God is my, our user forward slash God is my compass or channel names fundamentally Mormon. Anyway, he was really bad with the COVID, <laughs> like in intensive care. And according to what Eugene told me, they were, cons- they, they said that you're going to be in here for, like, six or seven months. And, like, he was on, I think he was on a ventilator. It was bad. Well, Eugene, sneaky Eugene, had a friend go visit Jonathan. And I don't know how they were able to find him or get in there or whatever. I don't know the details. But they brought him ivermectin. And within three days, Jonathan was recovering and released from the hospital. They don't want you to know about the, the real cure because they're using this man-made virus to get you scared so that they can give you the vaccine, which is not good Bill Gates in 2010 talked about using vaccinations to decrease the population of the earth 10 to 15%, which at the time would have been about 700,000, no, 700 million to 1.5 billion people dead just using vaccinations alone because they have an agenda and they want to depopulate the earth. And they are Satanists. And they are working on the side of darkness. And you trust them with your life when you take these vaccines. Anyway, um, also another thing about this part of the Revelation. Did you know that Mark Lichtenwalter actually means warrior light in the forest? Or warrior light in the darkness? Which is Interesting, because each prophet, their name meant what they did. And my name means exactly what I am. A light that breaks forth in the darkness of of this world. Anyway, continuing on. thus is my name continually blasphemed every day by them. Because these people say that they know him, but they don't know him. Next topic, no other gods before me. For did I not say through Moses, my servant, that ye shall have no other gods before me, and yet ye run after the error of Baalam, and the reward of Kaor, even in these things? Verily thus saith the Lord God unto you, O Israel, that ye be a separate and distinct people unto me, and that that ye not mingle your seed with the seed of Cain, and that, ye, and that ye cast them out of my house, that mine house be no more defiled and polluted, even in these things. So some people think that the seed of Cain is, um, is black people, which kind of goes along with Moses, uh, where it talks about, and, and, they, uh, and the seed of Cain were not among us, and that they, they had black skin. Um, but I would say that um, the seed of Cain are these Babylonian businessmen who, um, who turn the church into uh, a money making machine. And they want to have the popularity of the world and not be a separate and distinct people and not go after Zion's redemption and the obedience that re- is required for Zion's redemption. I think I'll just leave that topic alone for now. But um, the seed of Cain, there's a mindset to the seed of Cain. It's not just uh, skin color. There are so many good black and brown people who are God's children. And we should be kind to all of God's children. We should not be kind to the wicked who are not God's children, no matter what skin color they have. That's my opinion. Anyway, for it is not my will, saith the Lord, that Cain come in with you and partake of you with your blessings, O Israel, until the redemption of of the earth and until all other sons and daughters of Adam have received their blessings. For this hath been my law and shall be, saith the Lord, throughout all eternity. And whosoever knowingly shall transgress this law, saith the Lord, shall receive the curse thereof Thereof upon him and upon his seed forever, and this according to the curse which I, the Lord, did put upon him and his seed through the mouth of my servant Noah your father. And how much greater, saith the Lord, was my servant Noah than those whom ye sustain as your presidents. That section is. Father Adam, who is God. For for saith the Lord that the curse should be removed, it would require one like unto Noah in authority that he should remove it. And there was none greater excepting the Father. Ah, Father Adam, who is God, even the Father of both heaven and earth. For ye... There's something really interesting about Noah. When he was born... emanate light emanated from him I think he was the son of Limech I don't know it's been a while since i studied that but like in the Apocrypha there's some beautiful things about Noah he was more than just a man like Michael the archangel who came upon the earth to take a body and become an Adam Noah was Gabriel the archangel who came into mortality So, (laughs) there are others who are archangels who walk among you even today. Anyway, immortality even. For he, even he, O man, is the Father of heaven and the Father of earth. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, O my Father, and thy sons whom thou hast sent, even Jesus, who is named the Christ, or the Messiah, and that they might know also that one mighty, that one who is mighty and who is strong, even who who even now standeth among the children of men, and they know him not. Even as they did not know thee, who hast sent them? Nor did they know thy son Noah, when it was that he stood among the children of men, that they should be Warned of that which that thou didst intend to do, I was actually thinking about this, where Jesus talks about these days would be like in the days of Noah, wherein eight were saved. My my family, they accept me. They know who I am. They've been here all along. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the healings. They've, they've talked to the people who know that I am a true prophet sent by God. I don't know if, I don't think that they've ever seen the glory of God come upon me, but some have, and they've been there when people have seen it. And like, I was up in near Boise, Idaho at Caldwell or Napa or something like that. I was at a Flying J. And I was talking to three drivers in the driver's lounge. And one of them saw light all around me. And he was blown away by it. And the other two drivers, they could feel the spirit, but they did not see the light around me. And I don't know why it is, I don't control it. I know when it comes I know when it comes upon me, but I never know if anybody can see it or not. You know, but my son and my wife have there's been people who have talked about that, that they saw that around me, but they have never seen it themselves. My son and my wife have also seen Lucifer. Well, not Lucifer. I hate that. His name is actually Hasatan, or the Accuser. He, Lucifer is the title. Anyway, which it means bearer of light and truth. It comes from the word Hillel in Hebrew, which means the same thing. But Satan is the Accuser of the Brethren, and that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly who he is. And my wife has seen him, and so has my son, and so have I, and so has my my sisters and my brother and my mom and many other people in my family. Part of the reason I moved so much when I was a kid is because when I would move, the the spiritual persecution would stop for a time. And the longer I lived with somebody, um, the more paranormal, scary kind of stuff happened around me. All my life, even before I was uh, old enough to remember, my mom told me stories about stuff when I was a little kid, like a baby, two years old. So um, so this individual and his demons have followed me around my entire life because they know exactly who I am. Exactly who I am. And they hate it. But I was just thinking, so my mom, um, I don't talk to her anymore because she's a selfish, horrible individual. I just, I don't want to have anything to do with her. I haven't talked to my dad either uh, because he, just because of things. Anyway, um, but like back when I did talk to my mom, She was like, well, you can have those experiences, you know, and that's between you and God, and she didn't care. My other family members, they don't care. People who know that I am a servant of God, they think I'm deceived, or even if they do know, they don't do anything about it. And I was thinking of the, the statement of Jesus that these days would be like the days of Noah wherein eight were saved. And I was thinking about my family has seven people in it. But there's actually a secret one who is sold to us, who is a man, and he's the eight. And he's obedient. He works behind the scenes to help out with things which God has asked him to do independent of me asking him to do it. But there's only eight. I mean, there's a lot of followers. There's a lot of people who like what I have to say. They think it's informative. You know, many more people who mock these things. but only eight who are actually obedient, my family. Anyway, continuing on. Worlds without end. For thus saith the Lord, if he said unto them whom the word of God should come, ye are gods, why say ye that I blaspheme when I say that the sons of God are one with the Father, even as the only begotten, who is one of his sons, and prayed that they would become, even as they, in might and intelligence and power worlds without end. And which of the sons of God hath the world not hated and scourged, saith the Father? And it is that the sons of Ham shall not partake of these things, saith the Father, for they, even they, are upheld and praised by the world even at this time, even as the sons of Cain before the flood. And thus he who is friends with the world, even in these things, is verily mine enemy, saith the Father, and shall be even unto their destruction. For it was that before the flood the sons of men did take unto them wives which were of the seed of Cain and did provoke me in my wrath even in these things for it was that all of the earth had gone after this exceeding great error and it was that their seed, yea, even all of the earth was in danger of being polluted and receiving the curse thereof thereof. That the plan of salvation would thereby become frustrated. So what's happening is they were mixing so much because they were so liberal and so tolerant, so loving and so whatever, that they were mixing with the children of Cain, which was forbidden. And because the, if the whole world would have been polluted in such a way, then the Messiah would not be able to atone for the sins of the world because of the curse upon him. And because the whole world was in danger of polluting uh, the bloodline, which is important, God had to wipe it out. I don't know if he wanted to do that. But it it had to happen in order for him to preserve the, the elect bloodline so that the Messiah could be born in mortality. Anyway, it was that one of the sons of Noah, who it w- was preached against these things, that he was verily hated of the people for his supposed ignorance and bigotry, for his supposed ignorance and bigotry. Yea, even one of his sons, even Ham, also did take the wife of one of the daughters of Cain, and the daughters of Noah did also pollute themselves through their marriages. And in these things was my servant Noah vexed exceedingly. Even sorely did he cry unto me concerning the vexation of his spirit in these things. Even night and day did he cry unto me. So, um... I have to cut this off because uh, this is part three of the revelations, but the next part is called A Pure and Holy People, and I'll uh, yeah, we'll just have to do another recording. So, in the reader program, we're actually only 43% of this revelation, and when we finish this revelation, there's going to be many, many, many more revelations, that you will have to get to, but... We'll just do it in small bits, and I usually place them at the end of programs. They'll be like little bonuses when we do a short program. So I wanted to keep them around 30 minutes long, but I just had too much to say today. So anyway, um, thank you for listening to the program. And we're probably in overdrive right now, but uh, if you did have a question or comment, you can always call in. Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. We're usually on. Um, Unless something is going on, um, things happen. So anyway, but 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., phone lines will be open Monday through Friday. Uh, And the guest call number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. Okay, so yeah, the phone number and everything, I already said that. Can you hear me fine, Kim?
2: Loud and clear.
1: Okay, we did have a question in chat, um, so I'm going to explain some things. Um, so it's actually on Messenger, not chat, but so does God the Eternal have a Father? like God the Father and Jesus have, has. Okay, good question. All right, now the only reason I know this is because God showed it to me, and I've talked about this in the past, um, but I'll just share it again. So years and years and years ago, actually, for a long time, I had this question, like, okay, God, there's a big bang and the big bang happened and like everything all of a sudden became in or came into existence. Uh, Were you just like in the void of nothingness and then you just like poof created everything or what, like, how does this all work? Like it just, and I tried to wrap my brain around it. I mean, very, uh, very much, very much mental exertion trying to understand this and asking God years and years and years about this one question. And one day I was praying and I asked God again for the umpteenth billionth time or whatever it was. And I was taken up in the spirit. And I was shown. So when you're taken up in the spirit, um, like you're in this, it's like an out-of-body experience. But you don't control that. Okay, I I know that people can control out-of-body experiences. I don't know how to do that. When they happen for me, it is just, it's happening. And I'm not controlling it. I'm just along for the ride, basically. And I was taken up, and God told me to look, and he was next to me. And we're in space, okay, in the universe, somewhere, wherever it was. And I saw this nebulous cloud, this cloud of light that was huge, gigantic. And he said that this is the intelligence. And he told me that the intelligence is eternal. He also told me that all of the elements are eternal. They are not created or destroyed. Joseph Smith also talked about these types of things as well. But God showed this to me. Um, And we came down into this cloud, and the cloud was comprised of these orbs of light. Like, they were emanating their own light. Not really bright, but not dim either. They were just, it was just light, okay? And there were orbs. Billions. Billions times billions. Like, I don't even know. It was massive, okay? So we came down into this cloud... And off in the distance, but not too far, I saw this flash of light. And I saw one orb become two orbs of light. Now, they were orbs. That's all they were. Orbs of light and energy. And our Father told me that what I was seeing was God the Eternal Father and God the Eternal Mother. And that... When the intelligence becomes self-aware, there is some kind of thing that happens where the masculine and the feminine energy separate. And they become one spirit who is female and one spirit who is male. And they cannot change back and forth between male and female. It's just what it is. It's just how it happens. So the energies of the feminine and the energies of the masculine separate, and you have a male and a female spirit. In the process of time, they took the form that they took because of trial and error, and they learned. They learned, and we're talking about billions and trillions and eons and who knows even how long, just ridiculous amounts of of time since this has happened. And the father, our father, told me that they were the first, and that they helped others of the intelligence to become self-aware, and they learned how to control and to manipulate the elements which are also eternal, and the energies which are also eternal, and that they are a society of extremely advanced
0: beings,
1: because they've had all this time, and they've they have devised this plan of salvation and they've learned how to organize the elements and create worlds. They have gone through trial and error with rebellions among the exalted ones, uh, between the light and the darkness. They, that's one of the reasons why when they finally overcome the darkness, um, they had to set in place a plan to destroy the darkness. Now, as uh, intelligences are born, some of them choose to go to the dark and some of them choose to go to the light. So the soulmate, and this is what soulmates are, okay? My soulmate um, and I, we, you know, we're soulmates and she's on the earth right now, but she chose for whatever reason not to you know, go forward with me because of uh, Stockholm syndrome and uh, abuse within her family and that I became a threat to them when I wouldn't allow them to do what they were doing to her and it didn't end well. But um, but we're both on the earth at this time. Now, she's sailed to a man in Wellington, Utah, which is interesting because I'm actually driving on wash, uh, wash plants down into Wellington Utah right now no they don't live here this is where he's from or they might live here I don't stalk her I don't even know uh, where she lives anymore but she was in Moses Lake Washington and um Wenatchee and I can't remember the other place but anyway it doesn't matter so um so She's going to be sealed, or she has been sealed to this other man, uh, according to her understanding, anyway. So, um, and, you know, Kim has a soulmate as well, and there's some stories and details that I'm not going to go into with that, but they are friends, we're friends with him. We're really, really good friends with him. But he's married to another woman. So, anyway, um... So there's these soulmates. Now, they don't have to be together. They don't have to be married uh, to be soulmates. That's just uh, some kind of twist that Gentiles put on this whole thing. But anyway, so, um, but a feminine and a masculine eventually have to be sealed together by the Holy Spirit of promise to receive their exaltation. Now, the reason for that is that when the separation occurred, the spirits begin to diminish over a very long period of time, and there's something called spiritual death. If you do not uh, progress to exaltation at a certain point, you will end like we all end physically, but it's a spiritual thing, and it's spiritual death. So um, eventually um, we all get to the point where we, are at the higher level where we can be sealed, male and female together, and it stops that aging process and it makes us whole. That's why it says the man and the woman become one. That's all about that, which is lost knowledge that God has shown me. Because guess what, I am His witness, and He's revealed a ton of stuff to me. So the question: Does God the Eternal have a Father? No, he does not. But God, the Eternal Mother, doesn't either. And they're but they are one with each other. They are absolutely one with each other. So uh, that's the answer to that question. However, um, every Elohim, or also in Hebrew, everybody gets this wrong. Okay, so the Jews, when they talk about Elohim, they're talking about mighty ones. That's their translation. Okay. I don't know where the Christians got the translation of Elohim that they got. I have no idea. But there are many Elohims mentioned in Scripture. Now, everywhere it says, Jehovah, your Elohim, or Jehovah, your Elohim, it's talking about uh, the Lord, your God. I'm sorry, I got that backwards. Everywhere it says the Lord, Lord, your God, in, in King James Version of the Bible, in the Hebrew it says Jehovah Elohim because Jehovah is our Elohim. And under his direction, actually, we'll go back, under the direction of God the Eternal Father are the councils of the mighty ones or the exalted ones who the Gentiles or the pagans, because we get God, the word God from paganism, but they are called God. Exalted ones, mighty ones Jehovah is our Mighty one And he was instructed By the council of the gods Under the direction of God the eternal father To Come to this earth And to bring Michael with him Who was the redeemer on an older earth Now Jehovah Or Jehovah was also a redeemer On an older earth than that This is the progression of the gods These things were taught and shared in the restoration, and it's just too deep for the church to deal with, so they just get rid of it, because that's what they do, okay? But Joseph Smith taught about these things. Now, the under the direction of Jehovah our Elohim, is Michael, who is God the Father for us, who is also called God the Creator. That's Michael. We learned that in the temple endowment. Under him are his two counselors. Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben Yo- uh, Judah. Or Messiah ben David, that's Jesus. He is the Redeemer, God the Redeemer, the first witness of the Father. And God the witness, the second witness or apostle of the Father. So there is a line of authority, and there's a line of fathers above fathers above fathers. And that's why in Revelation chapter 1 it says Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And in Psalms 82, it talks about us being the God. We are 100% from the same substance and material and energy that they come from. And we have the ability to progress, to become like they are. If we follow the plan of salvation and we do not depart from it and become wicked and slothful and whatever else, we have the opportunity to become like the Father. Absolutely. So I hope that answered your question, um, Tyler. Thank you for asking it. Um, uh, Just for people who ask, ask me questions, I have absolutely no time to get on Facebook unless it's my days off. And then Kim can testify that when I am on Facebook answering questions all the time, I'm not doing the things that she needs help with, and she's always yelling at, oh, you need to get off the phone. I need your help. I'm like, oh, just hold on. I'm just trying to answer this question. There's too many people asking me questions. I want to be there and available, but time is, is something that you cannot add. I can't add time. I can't diminish from it. All I can do is sleep less, which I already do. You know, So if people that are asking me questions, this phone line, this 917-889-8827 has been the number for this radio show for years and years and years. We are on Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and we can go all the way to 9 o'clock at night, Mountain Standard Time or Utah time. So if you have questions, call in. You know, if you want it to be private when I do these, uh, these recordings, I can bring you in the studio. You know, but I don't like giving my phone number out to people, and I actually, I actually did last night. I gave it out to one individual. Uh, who I think was actually dr- drunk or high, just the way they were talking. Um, but they wanted to ask me some private questions. And this was on the Zoom call. So if he wasn't drunk or high, I don't know what was going on with him, but like, I could tell there was something off, like just by the way he was talking. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anybody can call in. And ask me questions and talk to me on this program. I pay for this service for this for this reason. I don't have to do, I don't have to pay for this service to have a podcast. I can go to anchor and do it for free and get paid money depending on how many people follow the program. That's, that, that, I could do that anytime. I do this so that I am available and open so that you can call me up and to have a conversation with me, or questions, or even a debate. You can even call me out. <laughs> Excuse me. For all you Exmos out there that want to, whatever, you can call me out and say whatever, and then I can respond to it. But you won't, because you haven't, and even, I, I post uh, my programs in uh, you know, places where there's lots of Exmos, too, and on TikTok, and I've got a I have more ex-Mormon followers followers on TikTok than I have faithful-believing members of the church. It's so stupid. Like, whatever. Anyway, um, you know, because the people who are in the church, they know too much to be taught. You know, a Bible, a Bible, we need no more revelation from God all is well in Zion. They don't know their own scriptures. Or doctrine, for that matter. They only know the correlated crap that they're fed. Anyway, so like I said, you know, the fun the numbers there and available. So Kim, where are you at? I'm almost to the dip, by the way.
2: I am fairly close to where we reside.
1: <laughs> where we live by? Do you know if Olivia we went by. out and fed in water? Where Lydia went out and fo- uh, foddered and watered the goats? <laughs> I don't know part. how
2: I would be able to do that. I don't have two phones like you, so probably not. I don't talk to any of the kids because if I...
1: I know, click but did you tell her to wrong? do it? Because I, I yeah. told her to yeah, do it before it I left. Done. Yeah. Yeah, of course right. it, doesn't, it doesn't. This is the problem, done. too. I'm in the flip and dip, so I don't know if you're going to be able to hear me. This drives me nuts. These kids, if you're not on them breathing down their neck they will find something else to do, and then Kim is up way too late dealing with their shenanigans, and then she doesn't get the sleep that she needs because they drag their feet, you know, and, like, I don't know, I don't even know, like, I don't know what the solution is, I can't be home, you know. No,
2: but you have two phones, so you could um, call on the other phone, or we could be done with the radio show and then call in. Well, we'll be done with the radio show, but I don't have, Kim,
1: I don't have two headsets. Yes.
2: Yeah, I know. I, I only have the one phone, so I don't want to hang up on on everything.
1: Well, you you know how to, like, add calls, whatever. Anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter. All right, well, we don't have anybody calling in again. Uh, and I'll just say it again. He whose deeds are evil cometh not under the light. You might think that all this stuff is interesting, but you do not accept me at all, and that's the problem between you and God. I'm only here to warn you, you know, and if you don't believe it, sorry that you don't believe it. I'm really sorry, because it does mean your salvation. It does mean your exaltation. It also means your destruction, because they who will not hear the man likened to Moses, they're cut off from among the people. So, it is what it is. Anyway, and I don't like to be a jerk about it But like I don't know what to say You know I'm not making this stuff up This is all Part of uh, Setting an order You know And Isaiah said That he only He saw a very small remnant Who actually accepted You know And uh, There's all these Different divisions And all these different Judascopes Leading people all over The dang place Keeping them From The where they need to be so hopefully you learn from them but uh hopefully they don't drag you so far astray like my friend uh sam you know i kept telling him john colthorpe is a judas goat he's a judas goat don't trust him and he wouldn't listen you know and he got so depraved uh, by the revelations of that false prophet that now they're sitting in prison where they need where they belong but I kept warning them you know and nobody wants to listen and uh, what's going on with Sam being in prison right now that's nothing compared to what's going to happen when all these people who have heard my witness and sit there and drag their feet and are like just rejected what's going on to Sam is nothing compared to what you're going to go through when you're cut off so anyway Alright, well I guess we'll be done with the program for today. It's almost uh whatever. So I'll uh I'll cue the music and uh just thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back on with chapter six tomorrow. Do you remember okay. what the uh what that chapter's called?
2: No, I don't and I'm driving in it's dark now so I can't just look at the book.
1: Okay, well, stop it with your reading and driving, Kim. You know how I feel about that. Uh, you can stop your car if you need to. Or we can just stop doing the radio shows. Like, you know, like I'm shouting into the closet. Nobody, nobody cares. So, I don't know. We'll talk about it later. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. God bless, hopefully. Goodbye.
3: Thank okay. you.